0: Crack fans, the NFL action is in full swing at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They're talking touchdowns, big plays, and even bigger wins for all you football fans. And now, new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. Check this out as well. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Maybe you're a fan of a lesser heralded team. Maybe it's the Detroit Lions. I'm just speaking off the top of my head here. I don't know any Lions fans, but maybe you do, and maybe that hypothetical Lions fan has noticed. The fact that Jared Goff seems to hit his passing yards number in every game these Detroit Lions have played thus far. What you're going to do, little same game parlay. You'll take the Detroit Lions as an underdog, as they so frequently seem to be. You'll take whichever of their skill position players. Maybe it's Amon Ross, St. Brown, DeAndre Swift, the Jared Goff passing yards total. You're going to parlay them together, and it's going to make things even sweeter. In fact, you can throw down on step up same game parlays once per game day all season long. Here's how it works. You're going to download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use our promo code AOD to get $200 in free bets if your team wins when you place a $5 bet on any football game. Again, that's code AOD only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply if you or someone you know has a gambling problem crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia or Wyoming 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona or 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado or New Hampshire 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa 877-HOPE-NY in New York opgr.org in Oregon call text Tennessee Redline at 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. Welcome to our GSP Ace of the Day segment presented by DraftKings. We've got one last hurrah in this 2022 WTA season. Yes, we still have the tour finals. Yes, we'll have countless 125K events, ITF level events happening over the next few months as well. But this is really the final significant tour level event of the 2022 season. And of course, that year end finals, very much the prevalent storyline of the week as you have countless players still in the running for one of those final spots at the year-end championships in Fort Worth. Of course, it helps to have a 1,000-level event in play. The highest-level events outside of the slams are those 1,000-level events. They offer the most points to each match winner as such. We still have about 20 players in play. Now, a couple of them need things to break perfectly. So yes, you could eliminate a few people off those lists. Say there's six to seven, eight names really still relevant, alive in that championship year-end finals chase, but it's going to be a fun event this week in Guadalajara against so many of the top players in the world competing, whether it be the Sabalencas, Pagulas, Sakaris, Goffs of the world, Bedosa, Garcia, just some of the top 10 names off the bat. Of course, you've got, I think it's 25 of the top 32 players in the world, at least as of right now, slated to compete in Mexico this week, and You can understand why. So many of them still alive in that championship chase. You look, only three players have secured their spots in the year-end finals. Iga Svantec secured it many, many months ago. Of course, Jabur making two slam finals. You can understand how she's gone about securing that spot. And then Jessica Pagula, who's made the quarterfinals of just about every big event she's played this season. San Diego semifinals last week helped her clinch that third spot. You know, Coco Golf only needs one victory. In Guadalajara, then she'll have clinched her birth. But I mean, again, Four spots, still up for grabs. Goff in the lead in fourth, Sabalenka fifth, Garcia sixth, Kasakina seventh, and right now, Veronica Kudermatova leading Maria Sakkari by 69 total points. Of course, you still have, all the way down to Annette Conteve, really, six players within 500 points of Kudermatova. And again, what does that mean? It means they'll all need things to break, right? Kudermatova to lose early, and in the case of 14th place, Danielle Collins, she'll need people like Keyes, Benchich, Bedosa, Sakari to all lose early as well. But there are a lot of players still live in that race to the year-end finals. And as such, I know it's one of the final weeks of the season. We've been playing for 10 months consecutively. There's a lot of wear and tear on all of these players' bodies. But I expect an inspired week of play. You're alive in the chase for the championships. That's just not something every player is going to accomplish every season. Again, maybe someone like Iga Swiatek, she takes it for granted. I mean, takes for granted is the wrong term. She has no need to push this week. She's already clinched her spot. So that's just a bad example up top. But you think about someone like Coco Goff. Let's say she loses first round this week. Somehow, miraculously, four players surpass her. And secure their spots in the year end championships. It's a very unlikely scenario. I don't think it's devastating to Coco Gauff. 18 years old, she's got another decade to make a run for the year on championships. And while it would be great to get that experience now and really put the feather in the cap of what has been a phenomenal year for the 18-year-old, again, I don't think it's quite as valuable to Gauff at this stage in her career as it is to someone like Daria Kasakina, right, who's currently in that seventh spot, who has won so many matches this year, top 10 in wins. She's on the precipice of a top eight spot. Will Kasakina over-under, I'll say, two and a half year-end championships in her career. You probably take the under, right? And that's why this is such a valuable moment for her. Someone like Caroline Garcia as well, Veronica Kudermatova. They sort of all fall into that category. On the flip side, players like Sakari Bedosa looking to salvage is too extreme of a word but looking to make you know again a strong finish some momentum something to hold their head on as they look back at what is only can only fairly be described as disappointing seasons for each of them you know players like benchich keys collins somehow in the mix even though they've had their ups and downs all year long there's a lot to watch for, a lot to be excited about as a tennis fan. As such, I mean, you can tell, right? I just did the five-minute opening on what's at stake this week in Guadalajara. As such, what I wanted to do for all of you listeners today, let's break down just round number one of this WTA 1000-level event on this show. I want to focus on Guadalajara specifically, offer my aces of the day, spend at least 30 seconds, a minute, talking about all of the first-round matches. Of course, later today, because we still do do have three other tour level events, one on the women's side, two for the men. But i gonna do a separate show talking about each of those events, talking about the aces of the day I am looking for there. But Guadalajara as the final hurrah of this 2022 WTA season, certainly worthy of its own show. And so with that in mind, let's get into it. I got three aces of the day for round one in Guadalajara. And one last preface before we get into these first round matches. Talk about being spoiled. As fans of the WTA Tour these past three weeks, the WTA is flexing their guns, showing the best of the product to end the year, whether it was that 500-level event in Ostrava. I think that Krachikova-Sviantek final, not something any of us are going to forget anytime soon. Of course, in San Diego, we just saw a three-set thriller interrupted by rain, but still very high-level play between Jess Pagula, Iga Sviantek, and shout out to my former roommate, Blake, for inspiring me to Take the half unit pick as that was a winner for us on this Ace of the Day segment. The Collins-Vekic match, three sets as well, has been very fun no matter how San Diego ends. Certainly excitement for tennis fans. And now, again, up and down the board, you look at this first round in Guadalajara, tons of fun matches. Before we get into any of the aces, let me just tell you the overs I see overall in round number one. I have 10 of the matches. Over two and a half sets. That speaks to, again, how unsure I am in a definitive winner in any of these battles. Madison Keys, minus 330 over Magda Lynette. Keys has the power advantage on hard courts this year, whether it be in Cincinnati, whether it be in Australia back in January. I didn't think she was bad during her U.S. Open run either. You know, Keys has been very solid on the hard courts this year. And by the way, she's got an outside shot, currently 13th. If she wins Guadalajara, she will make the WTA Tour Finals. All She's in control of her destiny, right? So one of those players with a little added bonus. At the same time, I've watched a lot of Magda Lynette of late. Lots of quarterfinals for Lynette, who has worked her way back up 30 years old to number 56 uh in the rankings. Yes, she lost first round last week, in Cluj-Napoca, didn't play her best, but again, Keyes should win. Minus 330 the vomit zone, plus 170 over two and a half sets, plus or minus 110 over 21 and a half games. I probably like that game bet more than anything because Keys may win, but you know, isn't always the most consistent on the return of serve. Lynette's going to play with enough pace to the outer thirds to get Keys on the run, make her uncomfortable in return games if she's landing her first serve. I take the over. I lean key. She's in the parlay zone for sure. I'll say Cornet, minus 300. I would throw her in a parlay with someone if I was more confident. But uh, she's taking on Julin. you know, minus three and a half games. I would take that bet. It's just minus 150, a little bit too much juice for me, but that was very much in the cards. And if you want to take that, I understand that decision. Uh, Then you get to some of the really fun ones. Again, Sinyakova, Haddad, Maya. If you win the U.S. Open doubles title, apparently you just don't lose singles matches anymore. Of course, Sinyakova won over in Asia a couple of weeks ago. Krachikova's won 10 straight singles matches after they complete the career, what I call it the everything slam with Gil Gross or Nate Walrath last week on the mini break. They've now won everything together as doubles partners. Um, Sinyakova only plus 110 as an underdog against Haddad Maya, who, who's minus 140. Feels a little low. Let's not forget, Haddad Maya, top seven in total wins during this 2022 season, moves the ball so well around the court, has a strong first serve that'll get into the body of Sinyakova, just not allow her to tee off as freely as she likes to. Yes, Sinyakova will provide some pressure, but Haddad Maya is a good mover, and I think she passes pretty well. She moves forward pretty well, hits the plus one ball that'll get Sinyakova uncomfortable from the baseline, forcing her to hit on the run where she's a little flat. Eileen Haddad Maya minus 140, and you can get Haddad Maya pretty good game spread tomorrow as well, minus half a game at minus 110. Like it was tempting, but something about that line is a little fishy. So you want to go over two and a half sets plus 135, over 21 and a half games minus 115. That would be my look there. Jungshui has had the best career, uh, uh, season of her career. Top 30 in the WTA rankings. More wins this season at the WTA level than any year prior in her career. You know, she's taken on Victoria Azarenka, who's minus 255. Azarenka's been really good when healthy. She just hasn't always been healthy this season Jung Shui hits the ball big enough from the baseline. She'll move Azarenka around. That said, Azarenka's power probably overwhelms Shui. You know, minus 255 again. Azarenka in the parlay zone, but you want to go minus t- over 21 and a half games, minus 105, over two so and a half sets, plus 150 again. Overs there. A lot of overs on the day, folks. Buzkova, Martinsova. Buzkova hasn't played much of late. She's minus 285. She has been one of the lowercase B breakout stars of the year. Her consistency, the movement, her ability to move that ball around the court, absorb your first strike and redirect your pace. She'll have to do a lot of that against the big hitting Teresa Martinsova. Martinsova plus 210 is a tempting dog, but again, over two and a half sets plus 160 over uh 20 and a half games minus 125. I probably should have made that a lock. I'm disappointed in myself that I did not. That's a stay away or bet Martin Silva money line for the record. Robocana, Pliskova, big serves. Take the over. Two and a half sets, you can get it. Plus 150 over. 21 and a half games minus 120. Both sound good to me. Maybe you throw Robocana in the parlay zone, but that's a stay away. You know, the Tamjanovic. she should cruise against Contreras, but that's minus 700. Rogers minus 290 against Trevisan. Rodgers just hasn't played that much, but on this surface, she really should just be swinging freely uh, against the Italian. Over two and a half sets in Andrescu Teichman. Andrescu minus 350. She looked really good in San Diego last week. But Andrescu just plays three set matches. So over two and a half sets plus 170. Not the worst value. Over 20 and a half games minus 110. I mean, Teichman, top 10 and top 20 wins here this season. She moves the ball well, makes you uncomfortable. Andrescu against lefties, though, is tough. So, again, that's probably a stay away or the over. Over in Kvitova, Para. Kvitova's weapons are bigger, but Para moves the ball really well, and she's played so well this year. Kostiuk, Sasnovich, again, over, plus 130. Lock that in. Minus 120. Kostiuk's favored. That doesn't feel right. Sasnovich only a minus 110 dog, but that's a dog I would back. Alexandrovich, the last one. Minus 360 over Osorio. I just like Osorio in these conditions. She's going to make Alexandrova work. That's at Alexandrova minus 360. I mean, That sounds good. Minus four and a half games is just a little too much. I have too much respect for Osorio in these conditions to pull the trigger there. But again, a lot of good matches, right? A lot of overs on the board. There are a couple, obviously, I left out in that breakdown of the board. But with that in mind, I've got three definitive aces for you as we look at round number one in Guadalajara. Let's start with a player who enters this event having won 12 consecutive matches. Of course, I am referring to Barbara Krachikova, the 2021 French Over. Open champion has just worked her way back into the top 20. And you look for Kurchikova. The top line number isn't great. 25 and 19 overall on the year. But let's look at the big picture. She's won 10 in a row. And you look at who she's beaten in this 10-match win streak. She beat Bencic, Kanteve, Hadad Maia, Rabakina, Svantec all on indoor hard courts. Really good win over Isla Tamjanovich as well, right? Who's a really good litmus test into do you have top 50 form once again? And Krachikova has just been dominant on serve during this stretch of time. You look for Krachikova with this run. She's worked her way back into the top 15 on the WTA Tour in hold percentage. She's 12th now with this run. Again, Not the greatest record this season, and yet 12th in hold percentage. She's back up to holding serves 74.6% of the time. Obviously, your hold percentage is always going to benefit when you're playing indoor hardcourt matches. But did you watch her three-set win over Iga in the final of Ostrava? Did you watch her just systematically break down Annette Conte in the final in Tallinn? Or just again... How confident and disciplined she was in her plus one place, How measured she was on the approach shot on the forehand and backhand wing. How confident she is moving forward always. How confident she was striking the return. Krajikova is just playing the best tennis of her career once again. And by the way, she was playing that tennis to start the year, makes the quarterfinals in Australia, gets injured, unfortunately, uh, during her Middle East run and then was out till Roland Garros. Now, it took her a couple of months to work her way back into form, certainly struggled with losses to the Habinos and Bernardo Perez, Alexandra Krunich's of the world at the U.S. Open. Although, again, some of these losses, like Perry three sets, not a great loss as the defending French Open champion, but Perry's become top 50 player. Kostiuk, three sets, not a bad loss. Tamjanovic, three sets, not a good loss, but not a bad loss. I mean, losing to Wang Shiyu is bad if you don't realize that power tennis Wang Shiyu is capable of playing. So I don't hate that loss. I don't hate a Potipova loss, Kudermatova, Pliskova. Like again, the Hibino loss three set is really, and Krunic at the US Open, those are the only two you don't love, but she's back watch the last two weeks of tennis. She is back, and you look for Krachikova in round number one here in Guadalajara. She's going to take on Anna Kolinskaya, the 23-year-old Kolinskaya, reaches a career high, number 51, at the start of, uh, in September, excuse me, at the start of September, currently sitting at number 58. It's been a really good year for Kolinskaya. 24 and 19 overall, Reached a semifinal in Guadalajara at the start of the season, where she was knocked out by Sloan Stevens in the semis, quarterfinals in D.C., as as well, was able to play main draws at Roland Garros and, uh, you know, get that experience under her belt, played a really good match against Madison Keys there. But with all due respect, you look for Kalinskaya, 3-11. Over uh, overall in her career against top 20 opponents she's uh, you look for her this season two and four here in 2022 uh, victories over Pliskova Halep uh, who had to retire from their match in DC losses to Bencic Sabalenka and Garcia for what it's worth she also played Bencic back-to-back weeks on grass courts in June so those matches were funky I mean look Kalinskaya is solid the problem is her second serves a liability and you just can't have a liability facing someone as technically sound across the board as Barbara Krachikova who will just exploit that second serve over and over again and keep Kalinskaya on the run. And Kalinskaya moves pretty well. Again, generates really good depth on the backhand wing. I like her ability to change direction. She's a rock-solid athlete. She, she's a very solid player. Top 100 player for sure, top 75 player, high floor, match in, match out. I just give every statistical advantage to Krachikova, who, by the way, is now one of the six players to rank top 20 in both hold and break percentage this season. And, you know, that's on the back of two really good weeks these past two weeks as well as a really strong start to her season. So all credit in the world to Barbara Krachikova, who you're picking here. You're not picking against Sky as much as you are picking uh, Barbara Krachikova. So give me Krachikova. It's a little hefty, minus four and a half games. Now, you compare that to her money line, I think it's a little bit of a bargain because Krachikova, minus 350 money line. Let's take the minus four and a half games. Let's look for Krachikova to earn, rack up four breaks of serve, maybe even five throughout the course of this match and keep her proficiency on her own serve. We're going to be conservative quarter of a unit to win 0.22. Got to see these conditions in Guadalajara. And again, Kalinskaya semi-finalist in Guadalajara earlier in the season. So we'll go with the quarter unit play there. But give me Kal- uh, Krachikova minus four and a half games over Kalinskaya. Again, minus 110. Quarter of a unit to win 0.22. That's ace of the day number one. Ace of the day number two. We're back in Ludmilla Samsonova. We've done that a lot here. On this show over the course of this hard court stretch. And how could we not? You look for Samsonova since the start of August. She's 18 and 2 overall during this run of play. 18 and 2. Absolutely ridiculous. And you look for Samsonova. She's worked her way up to number two in hold percentage for this WTA season. She's holding serve a ridiculous 80.5% of the time. And again, We've established the average player on the women's game holds seventy-one percent of the time, average top fifty player. She's holding ten percent better than that. You look historically, players who have held over eighty percent of the time, Serena, Venus, Prime Osaka, you know, prime bardi, that's the eighty percent club, and that's where Samsonova's flirted with over the course of the past few months. And you look for Samsonova twenty-eight and sixteen overall on the year, but again, eighteen and two. Her two losses, Ila Tamianovich, fourth round US Open. She should have won that first set, let it slip away from her, got in her own head, lose that match six and one. The other loss, Bianca Andrescu, three sets. First round San Diego. A fantastic match where Samsonova only made fifty percent of her first serves yet, was able to stay so competitive. Again, you look for Samsonova wins over Junction Wen. Atlanta Rabakina, Layla Fernandez, Sasnovic, Kanepi, Tamjanovic, Radakanu, Mertens during this stretch of time. She's racked up real wins in this eighteen and two run, even if, you know, her titles, Tokyo, Cleveland, Washington haven't been the biggest. But this is Samsonova's final moment to just send a little message to the rest of the field and say, no, 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 I am going to be one of those players sniffing that elite club come 2023. And again, all the metrics for Samsonova, you look for her. She currently ranks 41st for the season amongst top 50 players in break percentage, breaking under the tour average of 35.8%. She is currently breaking serve 31.2% for the season, but the average top fifty player this year, winning forty four point one percent of their return points. You look for Ludmilla Samsonova during this eighteen and two stretch, she's winning forty five point seven of her return points so she's become a top 25 player since the turn of the calendar to this hardcore stretch and obviously the serve has continued to produce at an elite level the pace she's able to generate forehand backhand wing the fluidity in the corners for someone her size Yeah, she gets a little slap happy on the return of serve but I, I like every part of Ludmilla Samsonova's game moving forward. And I've already seen her knock out Kaya Kneppi during this 18-2 and two stretch. Now, it was a very good match. Three-set win for uh, Samsonova in Washington. She would have covered a four-game spread in her four six six three six three 6 6 uh, 3 victory. Three-and-a-half game spread, excuse me. Uh, you look in that match, she only faced two break points. It was able to fight one of them off. You know, was able to get the two breaks of serve she needed. Sets number two and three. It was a very tightly fought match where Samsonova again, just a little bit better on the margins, able to generate a little bit more of a dynamic ball out of the corners, you know, force Kenepi to have to hit from different launch points throughout the course of the match. I see that replicating in their first round battle in Guadalajara. Samsonova, a favorite against minus 290 favorite as she takes on Kaya Kenepi in round number one. Again, that's a little too much juice, but you can get her minus three and a half games at minus 140. It's hefty. But how many times again? I know I've gone through these stats so many times. You look in the 18 victories uh, for Samsonova; she's racked up during this stretch of time. Only two of them have gone three sets. So in her in her 18 wins, she's you know she's won 36 of 38 sets that she's played, and you know during this stretch of time. During this 18-2 and match stretch, she's played five total tiebreakers. Like, again, she doesn't play a a ton of tiebreak tennis. I know she's got the big serve that would make you think and is a little bit sporadic on the return. But usually when she wins, she wins pretty comfortably. And so, again, I just think her ball in these Guadalajara conditions, I think it's going to sail through the court even easier than Kanepi's will. You look for Kaya Kneppi here this season, again, has had a very good year. Oldest player in the top 100, Kneppi currently 33 in the WTA rankings. A very good 29 and 17 campaign for her. You look for her against top 50 opponents this season, 9 and 10. She's 4 and 7 against the top 20. I just think this sort of power tennis, I don't want to say makes you know again it it's what the 37 year old struggles with at this point of our career dealing with such a dynamic ball over and over and over again So give me Samsonova to, again, start off her Guadalajara campaign in the proper way. Give me her to win a straight set match, cover that minus three and a half game spread. Yes, it's minus 140. We're still going to go quarter of a unit to win 0.17. Again, I think this is going to be a big week for Samsonova. I think with her ball in these conditions, I think she does send that message to the rest of the WTA tour with a quarterfinal, semifinal run to be like, now I know know, my wins have been in Cleveland, in D.C., in Tokyo, places where some of you top dogs were weren't playing, but you better be on the lookout for me because I think she asserts herself at the top or near the top of the WTA Tour moving forward, has those sorts of weapons, of course. Uh, with that said, let's move on to ace of the day, number three, the final match for us to touch on in Guadalajara round number one. It's a really fun one, a match I like the over in, but I think Belinda Benchich grinds out a victory against Layla Fernandez. I know I've made this case repeatedly uh, on our Crack Records podcast over the past few months. Outside of the slams, Belinda Bencic is having the best season of her career. You look for Benchich 37 and 17 overall in the season. It's the second highest win percentage of her career. Her 69% trails, only her 2019 number where she was 49 and 21. Of course, you look for her that season. She reached uh, or won the title, excuse me, in Dubai. I think semifinals, Indian Wells, semifinals, US Open that year. You know, she has been better though this season week in, week out. And again, that number for Benchich, 37 and 17 overall, a lot of that success has come at the 250, 500, even 1000 levels where she made quarterfinals in Toronto, you know, uh, semifinals in Miami earlier this year as well. Now the big runs, she wins the title in Charleston, makes the final in Berlin, you know, semifinals in Tallinn as well. Yeah, the, those big runs haven't happened at the 1,000-level events or they're always at the 1,000-level events or the slams this year. She struggled at the slams. First-round loss, Wimbledon. Third-round loss, U.S. Open. Roland Garros. Second-round loss, Australian Open. And yet you look for Belinda Bencic, currently 12th in the points race. Again, she controls her destiny. If she wins the title this week, she's into the WTA Finals. She's played really good tennis. I think her ability to take that ball early on the rise, make you uncomfortable, she's able to do it at an elite level. And you look for Belinda Bencic here this season, she's fifth in hold percentage, holding 77.2% of the time. And you know even beyond that, perhaps most encouragingly, she's breaking serve over 33% of the time. That's above her career average. And while it's still below the tour average of 35.8%, she holds serve at an elite rate, and it's getting close to average as a returner and that's a dangerous combination for opponents moving forward i also think Belinda Bencic is moving as well as she's moved since prior to her injuries you know when she was 16 17 18 years old i think she has taken the movement the fluidity to another level and i just trust her form of late even though she's coming off a little bit of an injury she had to pull out of uh Ostrava I trust her form better than her opponent in round number one, a little bit more, Leila Fernandez. And I know Fernandez has had a ton of success in Mexico. You know, two titles in Monterey, a final in Acapulco as well. You know, you look for her. She's lost five of her last six. Uh, quarterfinals Roland Garros this year was quite a sensational run given all the injuries she's dealt with. But you look for her during this hard court stretch. She's two and four overall. Wins over Standard, Storm Sanders and Osean Doden. All due respect, not the highest quality wins. Losses in straight sets to Adadmaya, Alexandrova, Samsonova, and Kasakina. I just, again, Fernandez, who was out between, from the duration of Roland Garros to Toronto, did not play a single tournament during the summer, has dealt with so many different injuries, was in a boot at one point. To expect her to be playing her highest level to end this season would be unfair uh, because of all the injuries that she's dealt with and kind of thrown to the fire in these big events. Again, those are not easy draws in Hadad Maya Alexandrova, who's won a title of late, Sam Nova, obviously exceptional, and Kasakina. That said, Bencic is another one of those players, and... You look at the odds tomorrow between these two. You might want to just take Belinda Bencic on the money line. You can get Bencic tomorrow pretty decent minus 160 odds. You can also just get her minus one and a half games for minus 125. That feels like a layup. All she's got to do is win the match in this scenario, and again, right now, Benchich, fifth in hold percentage, has the sort of weapons that will just put Fernandez under fire, force her to play on the run, force her to constantly be on the move and not in rhythm, because Bencic would rather miss than let you move her around the court. I just think that's a tough matchup for someone who doesn't have a ton of matches under their belt. Similarly, you look for Bencic. 28 and 14 in her career in tour level matches against lefties 11 and 9 against top 50 lefties uh when she's played them on hard court she's won 4 of her last 6 against lefties as well a couple wins over van drusova win over kerber losses to Haddad, maya and van drusova as well i just i like bencic in this spot still alive in that points race i think it, again I think there's a little bit more urgency for Bencic, and I think her weapons are going to make Fernandez extraordinarily uncomfortable. So give me Bencic. We'll take the added value. I think a straight set or a three-set victory. She covers the minus one and a half games because I just don't see her losing a lopsided set in this match. So that'll be ace number three. Bencic, minus one and a half games over Fernandez minus 125, quarter of a unit to win 0.2 in return. That, folks, is your look at round number one in Guadalajara and again to quickly recap aces of the day. Krachikova, minus four and a half games over Kalinskaya, minus minus one ten quarter of a unit to win point two Samson uh two two, excuse me, Samsonova, minus three and a half games over Kanepi, minus one forty, point two five to win point one seven. Benchich, minus one and a half games over Fernandez, minus one twenty five, point two five units to win point two in return. A shout out as always to our super producer, Daniel Westoff, for the of an editing job he does day in, day out, making all of our content possible again be on the lookout for a second Sunday edition of the Aces of the Day as we preview everything else happening Monday in the pro tennis world. With that said for our super producer Daniel westoff our friends at DraftKings and from all of us here at both crack Records and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host Alex Greskin. You know what we say, may the odds be ever in your favor. Good luck everyone